Oh, they're some are terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk about franchises. Right? Like <laughs> franchises are my favorite topic in in like film. So like I'll I'll talk about them forever. Just don't get tell. me started. Just don't get me started, man. I, if, you, if, you mention, if you mention anything that has sequels, I'll be like, oh man, fucking franchises, bro. Like, like, let me tell you about franchises. <laughs> Welcome, you guys, back to another episode of Let's Talk About Horror. It's your boy, Walter Doom, back. And I have another one of my friends onto the show. He is a writer, director, producer. He has his own brand called Northern Tier. I've known this guy for a minute. You know, and we like to joke around a lot in our little uh, group chat that we have on Snapchat <laughs> and all that. But yeah. <laughs> But yeah, let me let's welcome my homie to the show, Jeremy, y'all. <laughs> hey, how's it going? How's it going? Good, man. Welcome to the show, gang, gang on that one. <laughs> I mean, no, like I was saying earlier, man, episode forty-six, like, congrats. 40, yeah. Forty-five is half, this half a ninety, man. Yeah. <laughs> way, to, way, to way to go, dude. Yeah, bro. I'm just trying to get to like at least a hundred episodes. Yeah. You know. Man. Does that mean you'll be out the hood then? Is that what I'm like? Is that what is, is that the equivalent of like going to college? Oh <laughs> like, man, I'm mean, black and South I'm somehow, somewhere, you know, overcome the odds and go to college. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we gotta get out some type of way, man. Right. <laughs> or that, or I gotta go sell drugs on the street, man. You know, sell, dr- sell drugs, dribble the ball, or start a podcast. <laughs> now the hood, man. Getting out. I mean, it used to be one to be a rapper, but man, I mean, too many rappers in the city, you know, I don't even, I'm too old for a SoundCloud account, man. I, I mean, you're, you're probably going to start a SoundCloud. <laughs> I'm probably, probably going to, you're probably going to start a SoundCloud. Yeah. So, <laughs> let's, let's be real here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but how's it going, man? How you doing today? Rona. <laughs> I mean, um, it's, it's cool because, you know, we've been in this, we've been in this like state of affairs, I guess, for long enough to kind of. You know, you can lead your life as normal as possible with like, yeah, you know, with what you've got available. But I mean, I'm doing the full time student, finishing my degree and <clears throat> working part time and stuff like that, and then I'm um, still trying to maintain my like creative outlets. So it's it's a lot to juggle, but it's like I look at it as like it's all necessary. So yeah, yeah, you got your brand, um, Northern Tier. Do you want to go ahead and tell my audience about it a little bit? Yeah, so Northern Tier was a was a thing that I thought up. Uh, me and a close friend of mine, who's an artist, and uh, I thought it up pretty much when I separated from the military. It's kind of like a way for me to have like a creative outlet other than, um, I grew up as a musician primarily, so like Northern Tier was a good way for me to like write about stuff. I kept the journal when I was stationed up in Montana, North Dakota, and that's what we call like the northern tier area yeah so i i had this idea it started off as kind of like a silly like oh yeah man when i get out the military i'm gonna make movies man like that's what i'm gonna do and it's gonna, <laughs> they're gonna be called northern tier productions and then like you know i got out and i had some cash saved up so i you know produced a short film for a friend of mine and um 
you know, we do the Northern Tier name ad, and I was like, oh, like, maybe I can do this, like, you know, yeah. down here, you know, like moving move into other stuff. I mean, we'll see. You know, I'm not throwing myself full, like, I'm not throwing myself fully into it yet, but that's my goal, you know, is to, is to have a studio up and running sometime you know, yeah. in the near future. So we're establishing. Yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. I yeah. mean, I'm glad that you're saying like, yeah, I want to make movies instead of saying like, yeah, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna be a rapper, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Northern Tier, Northern Tier, I'm just rap, dude. Skate bars, bro. Well, go change and shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that was that was no, nah, that's not me, man. I I'm I'm too I'm too visual for that. <laughs> I don't even I don't even write poetry. <laughs> Although I guess a lot of modern rappers don't write poetry either. So no, nah, they do. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, all you guys say is like fucking on bitches, fucking on yeah. some weed. Well, no, it's just like most right now. It's just like it's just a list of things. Use list stuff. Yeah, say, it, it literally things, is. Yeah, you just say things you own repeatedly. I mean, you literally could make a grocery list and make a song out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Buying some bananas. Hey, get us some grapes. Hey, Bana bananas, <laughs> carrots, potatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, 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 that, I mean, that's still, that's still heat though. Like, I would still. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I would tell them that it, it might just get 12 million listens, you know? <laughs> Like first week, 20 million listens, man. <laughs> Pulling Drake numbers, dude. For real. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but um back to the to the subject at hand. Um, so what what projects have Northern Tier worked on? All right, so currently I re I recently started a podcast again. Okay. So, <laughs> I started I started a podcast two years ago. Um wasn't really working out. I wasn't really feeling it like creatively and stuff like that. And um decided to retool it because I feel like this if 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 this is not the year to start a thing <laughs> um, yeah. this is this yeah. is the best year to do so so I I, I mean I started I, I spent like I think I think maybe it had to have been like six months like literally just like planning out what I'd want to talk about and like what the focus of it would be you know and um wrote wrote the first script and then recorded it and then I sat on it for a while and then I was like yeah I was like I think this could be a thing and I was like I think I can at least do like five six episodes and we'll see where it goes from there you know like um it's a good way to like throw some some of your weirder ideas down I guess yeah you can, you can experiment a lot more with an audio platform than like film and it's, it's certainly a lot cheaper because all you can use your mic you know so true that's what, that's what I'm going for and we'll see what happens with it um <clears throat> some of the other stuff I do is we make like you know little halfway like t-shirt designs and stuff like that which we're going to be launching um probably within the next month here so that's keeping it small for now and then uh as for as for films i've got i've got a script that i've been sitting on that rona <laughs> just, just decided she just didn't want me to work on it i mean we had everything going man pre-production early february and i we were doing auditions and i think i think we did uh I think I was doing the first day of auditions and stuff. And then that next day <laughs> was like, all right, state's on lockdown. I was like, so all that stuff's gotten pushed back. But I mean, I'm going to be getting uh, my, my, my directorial debut, you know, oh, okay. at some point, you know, we've, we've got money saved up and stuff like that. So those okay. are the projects I'm working on now. Okay. I know earlier we were talking about, um, some of the projects you were working on and you mentioned that you've done a couple of short, Pro, well short film projects do you want to talk mm -hmm. about those yeah so um i've produced i produced uh some shorts with a with a friend of mine 
um, only one of which we've actually screened at festivals and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, it's called Wine Bottles. It's just a simple kind of straightforward female-led drama, which is completely different okay. from the stuff I write and stuff like that. But like, I mean, it's it's good to like help friends out and and film for in like the production world, you know. So like we did we did that. We toured it around to a couple festivals and. Um, other than that, I mean, most of the stuff I do is more like, uh, like I, I prefer to be working behind the camera, you know, like, like I'll do pretty much anything on a set, you know, grip, sound, lighting, like I've, I've been working on, I've been working on film sets since I was about 16 in some way. So like, that's, that's where I kind of like learned, you know, filmmaking was like working on stuff through high school and like working on little you know, UCLA film grads have like their little thesis that they have to do. So like they'll have yeah. like, a, like a 10 minute short they have to write or something like that. So like you can, you know, you can work on those and get some experience that way. Just be a cable puller, or like, you know, be the dude that holds the box of lenses. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, like, like that's, that's where I started. And that's, that's kind of where I, where I feel comfortable now, which is where like, you know, like if I had a studio, I'd probably want to be doing something that's closer to the lines of like, you know, supporting production and like distribution and stuff like that. Not necessarily filmmaking, but yeah. Um, yeah. So those, those are, you know, just small stuff, small things, you know. That's what's up. I mean, I feel you on that. I mean, for me, I wouldn't want to be the person in front of the camera or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be the person behind the camera, you know, directing or writing or something like that or or like you said film grip or something you know? you're not gonna get into acting <laughs> oh hell no <dog. laughs> everybody can act man <laughs> yeah I can act, can act i can act a fool but <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, can't act. <laughs> northern tier will represent you you'll be our first time <laughs> we'll only take one percent we'll only take one percent oh, real good deal real good deal <laughs> i'm trying to think of like a really bad actor but they're not coming into mind Oh my God, uh, I have too many. <laughs> well, I mean, like that's that's subjective though, because it's like some some actors are good in what they're in. Yeah. Like if you're talking about like bad actors who are just like, hey, like this dude's the same in every movie, or like. He's yeah, really basically, good. someone that's the same. Yeah, because I mean, like we can we can name like you know like Asylum Pictures stuff and like you know like stuff like Sharknado and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Or like it's kind of in, it's kind of like intentionally bad, but I mean, like I'm I'm. Oh man, there's bad actors. <laughs> Probably none that are like big in name, but I mean, I mean, I could give you a story. I was yeah. one time in a in a video, a short film, and it was part of this program that was that I'm in that I'm working for right now, and I was one of the actors in it. And the thing was like, it was me, my sister, and a couple of other people that I know that were in this like short film, so. Throughout this whole film, all you did was see me smile. Like, I just wanted to break out and laugh in every single scene. And, like, you could not take anything that I said in the movie serious at all. My God. <laughs> That's how terrible it was. Yeah, that got that smiling syndrome. Yeah. So... <sighs> So it was funny because like in this one scene, I had to be scared of my sister because she was a ghost coming into my room. Mm -hmm. And like in my head, all I could think was like, damn, I gotta be scared of my sister. This is hilarious. <laughs> like, <laughs> <so> <laughs> well, I mean, to, to, I think like to properly kind of respect film or to like understand it, you kind of have to work in it in some way. And then like, it, it yeah. also helps to like do the jobs that are like, 
I, I would like you just like I would never be able to do this professionally. Like, I, <laughs> like you know, like I, I, I say that as like, oh, there's a lot of people who are just like, oh yeah, you got to do, you got to work lighting, you got to, you got to get behind the director's chair, you got to, you got to pull cable, you got to like work catering, so that way you know like all, everything there is to know about filmmaking. But then it's like there's a lot of actors that say that too, and they're terrible at it. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, oh god, I don't want this guy directing. Like, I don't want this dude on the camera. <laughs> He's, he would never be able to. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine someone like Ludacris or Jamie Foxx directing a film? You know, when you said that, that's what I thought. I was like, most of that stuff is like like celebrity vanity projects, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be like if you, if you had thought up like. Like imagine if like a like a porn star decided to make like serious films like other oh. than like Sasha Gray, but like I mean like well, yeah, Sasha Gray she yeah she, she's passable you know but I mean like other ones you know like not, like like oh, not, yeah, not well, here. Yeah. I mean like, like like Brian Pumper or someone like that. <laughs> yeah you're like if, if he just decided like if he just like sat down in a production office and he's like I've got this script for a really hard hitting female led drama <laughs> PG thirteen rated and they're just like Dude, get out of here like we're not. <laughs> can't take anything you do <laughs> you know I, I i don't know but i mean like conversely probably a lot of people probably said that about jordan peele for uh oh well yeah that is yeah, true i mean he spent he spent 20 plus years being the funny guy you know and uh said the same thing about jim carrey i mean he spent you know 30 yeah years see the funny that's the thing for, i never expected jordan peele to be this kind of director and i'm actually amazed by some of the movies that he's made or some yeah. of like his work yeah, I think that he's like he's mentioned at one point where like that's kind of what he wanted to do originally was like be a writer, but he just kind of like comedy came first. It's like he got the he got the Mad TV gig and stuff like while he was like a struggling writer slash actor and whatnot. So you just take whatever's thrown at you, and it just took off for him. You know, yeah, and, like he'd be a different story if like he did Mad TV for like one season and we just like never heard of him again. <laughs> like, he, he, he took off from there, man. I mean, he went from Mad TV to you know being you know doing key and peel and doing some other stuff hosting the news i know him and key well him key him and key were both in on mad tv <laughs> yeah yeah that's that yeah that's that's the that's the i mean that's yeah i i guess we just can't discredit everybody but i mean i it's good that you recognize that you're you're not going to be an actor <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of people that don't do that and i oh yeah like for myself, I never dreamed of being an actor. I was like, nah, nah, because <laughs> I know I can't just act my way or pretend to cry or anything like that. Like, nah. And that's that's like your first week of acting school, isn't it? Like learn learn to cry on command. <laughs> I mean, pretty much is. So it's gotta like tap it, gotta tap into that deep place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm too cold hearted for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but um. Speaking of like acting and everything, so have while doing your productions of like your projects, whether you were producing or you were just a stagehand, have you ran into any difficult talent or toxic talent on set before? And I'm gonna be honest with you, like not once, not really, not a, not a, not a single time. And I, th I think that that's mostly just because of like who I work with and stuff, because like the stuff that we that we produce is typically like you know, when you're only doing stuff for like short amounts of time and most of your crew is like hired for the day, like you yeah. kind of don't really have a whole lot of that to deal with. Um, like it's a three day shoot. Two of those days, you're only dealing with like one of the actors, you know? So it's like, it's not really, there's not really a whole lot of room for like personalities to clash. Um, and I think that like a lot of the, a lot of the film, the pre-production process like eliminates that. 
This is like if you doing? if you've spent if you've spent like months weeks establishing rapport with your talent and like kind of building like a professional slash like friendly relationship with them before you start shooting it's a mm-hmm. lot better but like I've heard horror stories of people from people who are like oh yeah man like I only knew this actor for like two days and then like <laughs> we started like we started shooting on Sunday and then like we turned out like Tuesday we had to fire her, and I'm just like dude, too. like you gotta know you gotta know who you're working with but I mean like no I mean when we, when we put crews together it's usually people that we've that I've known for like 10 plus years you know oh, okay and uh that kind of cuts down on it. But no, I've never really had anybody like lock themselves in a trailer, refuse to eat. Um, so you never dealt with like anybody real toxic. No one came on the set like, oh yeah, I'm going to be Barbara Streisand or <laughs> Miracle no. or something. I think, I think I've been lucky enough to, to get to know people and to work around people who have like not only like self-awareness, but like an accurate appraisal of like their talents and abilities. And if they do want to be like like the next Barbara Streisand, like they're not like open about it, you know? Because I think that like, I think that in like some level, like everybody who's attempting to be like, like professional in a craft, like once that, like you don't go into something being like, man, I can't wait to be like the seventh ranked director. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, I I can't wait to make that that top 350 list, you know? Like, everybody should have like a healthy enough, like, you know, like I'm going to do this. I think I want to, you know, attempt to be the best at it or at least like do stuff that like puts me in that position i mean like you're not i mean how many scarlett johansson's are we going to produce you know like, <laughs> probably, like probably right. not that many but like how many like really really decent actors who get steady work and you know steady mm-hmm. respect and stuff from it are we going to make like probably a lot more so i think th- those are the people that i've met more often than like um people who like show up wearing like fur coats and <laughs> like, like, you know, like demanding demanding the best table in restaurants and stuff like that. I've met more people in music like that than I have in film. Like so no, no, not funny. Me, man. Yeah, yeah I, wish I, I wish I was more interesting now. Like I'm like now I'm thinking about that. <laughs> like, like no, it's all been pretty easy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have to believe in that little um project that I did, mm-hmm. there was actually somebody that had a diva complex. Oh my god. <laughs> How? <laughs> and mind you, I was like 18. My my little sister, she was like 16. And this girl, I think she was like, she was either 14 or 15 at the time. Mm. And she just came in with like, yes, I'm gonna be the next be well, I don't know if Beyonce was making movies. No, actually she was in um Austin Powers during that time. She had just done gold member. <laughs> <laughs> but you you know what I'm saying? Like she was yeah. gonna be like Whitney or you know, mm-hmm. one of the best black actresses of that time, what have mm-hmm. you. Oh, Angela Bassett, that's that's one I can really think of. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so she had that kind of mentality. She was just like diva all the way, and it was just like she would get frustrated when people didn't get their lines right. <laughs> does, she, does, she have, does she have like a theater background or something? Like, I don't know. I, I don't, I think she might've, she might've did like a couple of like commercials or whatever. And, you know, this was like something that she could kind of like, Hey, I did this as part of like a program, blah, blah, blah. You know, just to have like something on a resume, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm just, For some reason, I'm just imagining that she's done a bunch of like, you know, like uh, videos that like corporations will make to train, <laughs> like <laughs> to train their employees. Like, it's just not a bunch of those like <laughs> yeah it, it's funny because i'm like when i think about that that i kind of forgot about that time with that girl but when while we're talking about this it just literally brought up that memory and i was just like 
that girl was kind of a diva. See, <laughs> like, see, see you just out here digging up trauma, man. man. You just on your own show. <laughs> I know, <laughs> man. <laughs> like, what did you did. what did you invite me to? Like, what is what is this? <laughs> I know after this, I'm gonna be like Nick Cage and Mandy and just down a whole bottle of vodka. <laughs> is that a real bottle, by the way? Do we, do we have confirmation? Like, was, it, was it water or did he just do like five cases? <laughs> I don't even know, man. <laughs> I really think that was water, though. <laughs> I, dude, I hope so. <laughs> I mean,. Nick Cage, man, I mean, it might have been real vodka, you know? <laughs> it's method. That's, that's, a real, that's a real action. Just imagine this, like, craft services just has, like, ten bottles on, like, the side, just ready to go for, for retakes. <laughs> and man just dies on set. <laughs> just himself in vodka. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, shit. Have you ever seen that movie, by the way? I've seen Mandy, yeah. What did you think of it? <laughs> Man, Mandy, Mandy's a tr- Mandy's a trip. Like so, because I mean, like I guess that like kind of goes into like the bigger kind of like my bigger thoughts on like the horror genre as to like what a horror film can be. Because like yeah. I, I don't I don't really consider Mandy to be like a horror movie mm-hmm. so much as like a like a like it's closer to like an Evil Dead than it is to like a like a like a texas chainsaw massacre or like something like that because i mean it's basically like it's a revenge drama yeah yeah i was like so i mean like it's it's just crazy because i mean like if you're just gonna give like a director the reins and like tell him just like hey go do your thing like we, <laughs> we won't ask questions on why you need two hundred thousand gallons of blood and like <laughs> this, this huge chainsaw we don't care just go make your thing i mean like the stuff like that's great you know that's 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 what film i guess is supposed to be and we can talk about chris's criticizing the film later but on its own i mean that's <laughs> you only get like one of those a year to where you're just like what is this like what am i playing what am i watching oh my god you know like but you know that's that's i i, I think that's kind of where i where i kind of live in film is like just like kind of out there like far far out shit like like i like that stuff man I'm, I'm i'm all about it that's dope. I mean, the first time when I watched Mandy, I was like, I couldn't get through it the first time. It took a couple of watches before I really yeah. got through that whole movie. Yeah. I was just like, it's too damn weird for me. And I like yeah. weird shit, but this one was <laughs> absolutely too weird for me. It's, yeah, it's not for everybody. I, I blame it on kind of like the films I grew up watching because, like, I didn't grow up watching like normal movies. I wish I did. Like, I. Like I wish I grew up watching like Disney films and stuff, but like <laughs> my, my dad, my dad had me watching like obscure westerns and like weird like Japanese horror films from like the late seventies <laughs> and stuff. Like growing up, I was, I, 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 my mind's just accustomed to it to where like I watch them, just like oh yeah, this makes sense. This is, <laughs> like, this is like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's that's cool. This this is a good this is a good movie or something like or like his new and like the color out of space. Like I watched that and I'm just like yeah, this is, this is this is this makes sense. I don't know. Like, I haven't even watched that one yet, and I'm I'm curious to watch it because I'm just like, what kind of weird shit is this man doing again? I mean, yeah, like people people have a people have a. I mean, we've been we've had this fascination for Lovecraft for like a hundred years now, and like it, he he just keeps coming coming back we're just gonna keep remaking his yeah stuff. especially with that new show that's on hbo max um lovecraft uh, lovecraft, lovecraft country, country. Yeah. yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a, a fascination. He, um, I mean, like we might we're gonna talk about directors later, but I mean, it's not just directors, but as in like auteurs. I mean, like if you're talking about like people who like push the genre forward, I guess like that's still where we're supposed to be. Um, is like finding those writers and directors who like make the genre do a thing, you know, and like that's that's kind of where I separate out like the, the classic like horror films from like you know your basic hour and thirty minute. You know, maybe not. So, yeah, you know, like, like, so, like I don't want to say Blumhouse, but I mean, I gotta be real. Like, you know, like Blumhouse stuff. I mean, like, where people consider those to be horror films, and I'm like, well, they're not. And like, they're, I'm like, they're they're formulaic. I mean, like, we're not talking about like movies that, you know, make you question a thing or like, you know, make you think about things a certain way. And like, I think that's why like Get Out had the impact it was is that it reminded us that like, oh yeah, the scary things <laughs> are the things that we think of, to where like we're 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 still kind of able to ignore the stuff in society that's legitimately scary you know like i'm well, I've, well see that's the thing about horror and that's one thing i've learned well i mean that's something i've already known from watching horse for so many years but you know when it comes to like anybody that's not really watching the genre like that they just think like it's all boogeyman and zombies and freddy krueger and I'm like, no, it's more than that. You know, it, it has your get outs. It has your midsummers. It has your... Well, I mean, if you think about like Hitchcockian horror, I mean, it has your rear windows too. Yeah. And North, your North by Northwest tour. It's like, there is no villain really. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just like, birds. Hey, is, yeah, like, isn't paranoia scary? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I mean, those, I mean, like, that's, that's the kind of horror I like is like psychological stuff is to where like, it's supposed to make you kind of think about things and like point out things that are legitimately scary to where like, you know, like you can show a friend <clears throat> these days, like, you know, the first uh, Night of the Living Dead and they think that it's about zombies and then you're just like well it's not like it's not it's, it's literally like, about racism right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah i'm like the zombies are definitely a stand-in for something else or in, in, in other versions are a stand-in for like the threat of communism in the united states and like I mean, like you know horror is supposed to do stuff too yeah it's supposed to and that's why i'm saying like these days i'm actually kind of surprised that no one's made or hasn't i mean it might be happening now who knows but no one's really made a horror film that kind of like encapsulates what we're currently afraid of you know what i mean which like, is especially with like 20- yeah i mean like we got stuff like cont- we've got stuff like contagion which i guess is like the closest thing we get to this and you've got uh contagion uh i mean i guess yeah, that's what i'm saying i, I, like, I don't really uh, care for it i mean yeah <laughs> i feel like the movie wreck is more of a better film that kind of is relative to what we're dealing with today be an extreme version of it yeah <laughs> yeah you're right that would be terrifying oh my god but but i mean, I mean the like, first two wrecks were good those last two were terrible <laughs> but i mean like for me like the stuff that i'm afraid of is is uh you know like white supremacists forming a posse on the county steps you know what i mean like we haven't and i the closest stuff we're going to get to that is stuff like uh I've already forgotten the name of it, the the purge, you know. But like, even oh that's yeah, kind of like, that's not the same perspective. I think that I'm talking about, and that's. Once I mean, again, it's pretty close. It's close, but I mean, like, I think Get Out gets to the heart of that a, a yeah. lot harder than um, like any anything that like a Plumhouse type of you know production would do. But yeah. Um, mm. Well, since we are kind of like in that area of like talking about directors and everything. I wanted to make a little game out of like 
directors with you, you know, since. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I, when, um, when I actually for like, you know, kind of like some of the movies that you watch and kind of like, you know, what kind of horror knowledge you have of, I mean, you admit that you weren't like the, the best, you know, for like knowing horror <laughs> off, off rip. Mm-hmm. You know? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 watch, I watch them, but it's not, it's not the, I, I guess it's I, not I your focus. It's not my focus, you know. It's it's like you got you know, I like football, but I only got one team that I follow, you know what I mean? Like yeah. That. But I mean like horror horror films is from a writer's standpoint, I think it's my favorite genre to write, but mm-hmm. from watching it, it's it's hit or miss with me. I maybe watch like five or six a year, you know, yeah. that I actually that I actually enjoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So out of those movies, you said the shining and psycho were some of your favorites. So right now I wanna ask you. As far as directors, who do you think is better? Do you like Hitchcock or do you like Kubrick better, and why? Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, all right, because I can't leave the show. Um, <laughs> you can't, okay. man. I know where you stay. <laughs> all right, all right, <laughs> all right. So, so Hitchcock and Kubrick had two different approaches to the same thing Mm -hmm. um and i think that like who gets it right to where it's like if you're gonna make a thriller or like a horror film that is actually supposed to be scary you're supposed to play off of what we're already actually afraid of and be relentless about it and um i think that the person who comes closest to that is hitchcock when it comes to horror because like he i mean that was his entire career basically it was. was was making what he called thriller films that were like like dude this is actually like terrifying like I don't want to pe- <laughs> I don't want to get pecked to death by a pigeon like I don't know like, this, is, this, is ter- this is terrible like, I, don't, I don't like this you know but I mean like he he made he he basically like kind of like maybe not wrote the book there were some other directors who were working in the horror space around the same time who um he kind of like sort of eclipsed but like he he kind of like made the book on like how to make like basically like a prototype to like the horror blockbuster kind of yeah. where it's like a Hitchcock film was a big deal you know yeah like North by Northwest was a big deal for me and like I like I'll, I'll quote that movie forever because it's one of my favorite movies of all time but like um but like whereas like Kubrick is concerned Kubrick had just visions and was legitimately crazy so yeah. it's, <laughs> I mean like he he was he wasn't a horror director but I I feel like if he had taken the time to make more than one slash two i guess depending on how you look at like eyes wide shut um oh my i i got a feeling about that i'm I'm gonna let you finish your point (laughs) yeah i mean like if he had made if he had made like more than just a shining i mean like well i guess we'll never know now because he's he's dead they're both dead but yeah um no i mean like i don't know dude he like the shining was just like kind of an experience i watched it when i was like super super young and um like because once again, dad was just that kind of dude. So like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like 11 and he's like, I'm going to put on The Shining and you're going to watch it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, all right, this sounds fun. Like, <laughs> it's like, terrifying. I've been sitting here for two hours and 15 minutes and I'm scared. Like, this is bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like The Shining, The Shining was just like, it's, it doesn't look like anything else. It, it kind of exists in like its own space and time. 
yeah we won't ever know if there's like a formula for like the shining from a kubrick perspective where he's just like oh yeah he's like this is what the movie looks like in my head you know it was and not only that but it was an adaptation of a novel like like it was even king novel like brought to life so it's I mean, crazy because stephen king didn't even like the shining yeah yeah i mean he's also just kind of like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean like, what, what must it be like to have your movies adapted like to have your books adapted so often to where it's like your opinion just kind of doesn't matter anymore like <laughs> after a while <laughs> where you're just like yeah i'll watch it like whatever like, like it's, 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 i mean he seems to like that that it chapter two that when that came out he like he liked it i think he was kind of mixed on like pet cemetery um the yeah that. the new pet cemetery i don't know i'm i'm still not a fan of either the original or the remake so yeah yeah, well, I mean, like, there's also the, like, obscure Stephen King adaptations on Netflix, too. Like, 19, was it 1910 or 1901 or whatever? The one with the oh, armor, armor. 1922. Uh, yeah, there you go. And then, like, Gerald's Game. Um, oh, yeah, Gerald's Game was a good one. Yeah, and I feel like those those have those have their kind of, like, plays. But, I mean, like, back to, back to what we were saying, like, Kubrick, um, his movies kind of existed in, like, their own, like, universe like a part and I think that that's why they stand up so hard is like you know, the only comparisons I can make is between like Psycho and like The Shining to where it's like Psycho was the first movie to do what Psycho did you know so like just by a single film like Hitchcock pushed filmmaking forward you know by saying like hey like you can kill your protagonist in the first 15 minutes or two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know like you're 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 ki- your serial killer psycho dude can be likable you know yeah like, that that hadn't that hadn't really been depicted on the film before or it's just like i legitimately like norman bates like he's a cool he's a nice guy and um and i mean like that sets the groundwork for all kinds of things it set the groundwork for probably like how we portray like hannibal lecter in film and stuff like that to where like you know i don't have to hate you know jason or freddy krueger well, freddy krueger's different dude he's like he's, he's like a bull in his own way <laughs> i mean like i mean like psycho pushed the genre forward in, in ways that allowed people to experiment more it's like you know the existence of norman bates means that i can make a make a killer that's like uh you know uh what was it for uh, Brady's Dinellis's version american psycho the, uh, the, the, yeah yeah the, the the christian bale one the christian bale one yeah i was like i, I was, it was like kind of the, the different play on the same character to where it's like suave yeah likable slasher um we're probably never going to get a perspective from like jason Voorhees like that oh <laughs> no like, no where it's like we hang out with jason as he eats ice cream and like goes to school and like <laughs> like, <laughs> like man he likes machetes like, <laughs> like no, we, we i that think that would be such a terrible idea because i could see that actually happening because hollywood likes to rehash oh, oh shit a lot I'm surprised no one has already done that. Like, they were like, you know what would be a good idea? A prequel story of how Jason got drowned. Thursday the 12th. (laughs) (laughs) Coming this November. (laughs) No. Like, no, stop. I don't want to see that shit. (laughs) I mean, like, even, like, playing off that. So, like, Kubrick just kind of kind of had ways of showing us showing us the scary without the characters too much because i mean like the shining does a really good job of showing you what isolation feels like mm-hmm. and uh that is that's what makes it terrifying is that you know how do i how do i make a haunted house <laughs> scary basically and uh, oh yeah 
and you know, I, I think having that, all the ghosts like pop up on you and do exactly. all that jump and I, and I think that that's what that's what he was really good at hitchcock never threw ghosts at us he never threw like zombies at us or anything like that he oh, went, no. and kubrick did in a very very subtle way so like that's that's like for me like man I'm, i got i gotta say like man maybe kubrick was probably just a little bit better like towards like making a horror film and probably a little bit better like a way better director overall to where like every one of his movies is this whole experience in and of itself there's not he didn't make a single bad film that i can yeah i mean that's that's hard that's that's, that's, yeah. a, hard, that's a hard argument to make i mean like there's there's a lot of hitchcock movies i can do without but there's no kubrick movies i can do without yeah. yeah i mean i understand what you're saying and to backtrack back on kubrick um when you were talking about eyes wide shut i i honestly feel like that was like a horror adjacent type movie like it dealt with a secret society and all the power that they had in the world and basically like as soon as you do some shit or they or if you try and find out about them you're fucked like you're just like like, what are you gonna do yeah i mean like because that's that's kind of a matter of perspective too because i mean like in some ways you can watch uh quite a few movies as a horror movie like if you just kind of change the way you watch it yeah, it's like in for a lot of kids, like Boys in the Hood was probably <laughs> like something like even like watching something like that, like you're just like this this could be a horror film in like a certain context. Like if you really I mean, technically, like technically it's a it's a black horror. Like, <laughs> like, honestly, like, it's honestly it's a like, black horror. Like, 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 let, me get, let me get this straight. <laughs> let me get this straight. We got a group of violent young men with a shotgun in their car who just drive around. And the only way for me to escape them is to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, man. I guess I guess that's it. And then you tell me like yeah, just, yo, just, you just might get shot. Like, what do you mean I might I just, just might get shot? <laughs> that's just the that's just the way it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, like they, they're most horror films don't ever portray like life like that. So where it's like this is just kind of like a matter of fact. It's usually like forced, you know, like yeah. And, and, I mean, not all horrors force it, but you know, well, at least the good ones don't force it. Yeah, that's what I was saying. The good ones don't. The the, the yeah yeah the terrible ones do. The the stamp, <laughs> fold, put it in the theater ones are definitely designed for that. You know, jump yeah. scare jump scare every five minutes. Every scene. <laughs> Every scene yes. is ninety. Yeah, every scene is a setup for a jump scare. Like, like that's or or the fake jump scare. Ooh, the fake out, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that. Man. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know if you ever seen this movie, but I talked about it um, with my last guest that was on my show. Um, have you ever seen the movie The Curse of La Llorona? I have. I'm <laughs> a big fan of The Curse of La Llorona. <laughs> I went to a screening of the Curse of La Llorona a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, because like the the studios will do these like advanced screenings of the film, and I went to a screening of it, and uh, they we walked in and they hand you like the little like you you have to write a little review type thing after, uh, or you okay. like certain things, and they give it to you, but before they start, the guy guy in a suit goes up and he's like, all right, he's like, you know, welcome to the to the screening of he hadn't said the name of the movie yet, he's like, but he's like, welcome to the screening. Um, he's like, today you're going to be watching a in-production film that is currently titled The Curse of La Irona. And we're like, oh, okay. And they're like, it's being produced by Bum. It's by by the same team that did The Conjuring. So it's part of The Conjuring universe. And everyone's like, you hear like people in the theater like, oh, The Conjuring. Oh, okay. 
I mean, yeah. if you're like a soft fan, once when you hear James Wan is producing it, yeah. you're like, oh my God, James Wan? Exactly. So they, so they say that to us, they're like, all right, so they're like, but uh, we, we need to let you know this, uh, the movie's not done. <laughs> and so like, everyone's like, huh? Like, what, what are you talking about? There's like, yeah, so like, you know, there's, there's going to be some, uh, some inconsistencies in the film. There's going to be like, you know, some of the digital post has not been done yet. Uh, like, there's still some scenes missing, but like, don't let that ruin the experience. Just watch it and rate like what you saw. So we watch it and like it gets to the last scene, the final showdown, right before the kids are about to stab her with the crucifix. And like she yeah. comes up and she's still got her ghosty face on. Mm-hmm. But instead of the ghosty face, she has the dots, the tracking dots for the digital. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is hilarious. <laughs> when, I, when I tell you I laughed harder than I ever have in a movie theater, like I, I think I, because, like, there's there's people from the production crew who are, like, sitting in, like, the reserve seats in there. Like, James Wan's not in there, but, like, like yeah, people yeah. on the film are in there. And, like, man, we we were just, we were rolling. Like, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> because, like, the movie up to that point has been, frankly, just, like, schlock, you know? And then, like, you get to that one scene, and you're just, like, this is what they were talking about. Everything else looks <laughs> fine. It's just, like, the last, like, ten minutes, they're, like, oh, like, this clearly isn't done yet. Like, the lighting's really off. They haven't color graded it. Like, stuff like that. Yeah, and then, like you get to it and you see the tracking dots on the actress's face, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" <laughs> it ru- it ruined it for me. I, every time I every time I see it on like a streaming service or something, I'm just like, "I should watch it." We should finally watch the finished version. But I'm like, I don't think I can. I don't want to. Ru- I don't want to ruin that. Like, I don't want to ruin that one time I saw Santa Claus. You know, like I don't want to do that because if I do, like, I'll have this movie will never mean the same thing to me ever again. <laughs> but but I, I'm there's there's other reasons I'm a big fan of the Curse Law Your Own is because of just how uh, it it's it's just like more more proof to me of like like where movies are going in the future I guess <laughs> where like so where like franchises need sub franchises which themselves need spinoffs yeah like, oh the, yeah the Curse of La Llorona is not a spinoff of The Conjuring it's a spinoff of like Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you serious? I thought yeah. it was like a spinoff of The Nun or some shit like no, that. No, well, The Nun came after or before. I don't remember, but I, like it kind of it really doesn't matter because La Llorona is not a char- she's not like mentioned in the Conjuring universe. Yeah, she's in, not. Or in Annabelle, The Nun is. Yeah, Annabelle is mentioned in The Curse of La Llorona. In a scene. Oh yeah, yeah, scene. yeah. They they yeah. do have. Um, I forget. They did. I think the Annabelle doll does appear in the movie, right? One time. It appears, yeah, okay, it appears yeah. Like a three-second, like, the, the priest guy from the first Conjuring film is like, yeah. I've, dealt, I've dealt with this evil before, and then it just does, like, a flashback of him carrying the Annabelle doll outside of the hotel. And I'm yeah. like, what? what? That's the only thing these two movies have in common? <laughs> like, this is the only... I was like, we could have done without that. This probably would have been a fine horror film on its own, like, without being connected to the Conjuring universe. Because oh, no. La Llorona ain't coming back. Like, she's, like, <laughs> she's gone. She's gone. She's really oh, no. I thought it was terrible. I was like, there's too many jump scares in this film. And it didn't make sense to me how the woman who's who was being haunted by La Llorona was able to make a deal with her to get her kids back. I was just like, what? That does not make sense. Yeah. Well, you know, 
That's the, yeah, that, I can't, there's nothing I can say. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can say about that. Like, that, that movie, I think, I think, so here's, here's what, here's what I think. Like, this is my only, like, benefit of the doubt moment, is, like, I think that there is, I think that we're well past the point as being movie fans, like you and I are, mm-hmm. of, of knowing that studios understand the value of target audiences and how much yeah. money, how much money they can make off of that target <laughs> audience. I I blame. Do you remember the remake of uh, when a stranger calls? It came out in like two thousand six or seven, and it had. I, I remember it, but I yeah. did not see it. Yeah, so like it's it's kind of like stuff like that, to where they're just like, man, we can get three hundred seventeen year olds into a movie theater, who all paid full price for a ticket because <laughs> it's out. We can hold their attention for an hour and 28 minutes <laughs> and, then, and they can be out. And it, we don't have to really try that hard, which is like, I hate saying stuff like that because the people who work on those movies don't probably don't look at it as like, you know, like I'm not trying that hard with this film. Like this is what's paying their rent and like, you know, their mortgage and yeah. stuff. So like yeah. they're putting effort into it. But like from our perspective, it's like, this is lazy. This is not this is not good like 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 from an objective standard it's not good but like for something like the conjuring universe where they're just like those the people who love those movies just love those movies and they like do. That's, that's who that's who they're being made for is like they don't have to be good it's like <laughs> you follow you follow the formula every four and a half minutes there's a jump scare every five yep. like there's there's always one character who just knows way too much about <laughs> about the bad guy of the film like imagine like if psycho had that like imagine if you just had like you know what's her face goes to the motel she meets norman bates and then you just have like the sheriff of the town walks up to her, he's like yeah that norman he's uh he's a little off i'll tell you he, <laughs> i mean his his have you, we haven't seen his mom in a really long time she's been gone and uh, anyway, have a nice night. Like, it's like, I mean, <laughs> in, you know, you know what kind of movie you're watching when, when like, you watch those and like, they're not for, you know, a me or a you. They're for people who are, who like looked at the nun and they were like, this is a horror film. This is what I like. You know, and for that, you, you gotta, you gotta be like, all right, this is what you like. I'm not gonna like, you know, ruin that for you. If you, if you like stuff like The Conjuring and you like stuff like, you know, The Purge and you're just like, this is, this is modern day horror, hereditary you. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, man, I mean, I that's know. the same way I feel about Fast and the Furious, even though that's not a horror movie. I, yeah, I was about to say, I was like, that's, that's an unfair comparison. <laughs> it's not, it's, no, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> as far as, like, mo- movies making the same kind of shit over mm-hmm. and over again, like, Fast, no, and, fa- Furi- fast, fast and, and the Furious, Furious, and I hate that franchise. <laughs> it's so funny because all my friends love it, and I'm just <laughs> like, why do you guys love this movie? They're like, we're going to see Fast 19. You want to go see it? Like, Fast no. and Furious 7 is the worst horror film of all time. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, 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 have, I have my soft spot for the Fast and the Furious just because those, those movies are designed to be what they are. They're, they're not trying. <laughs> no one in that franchise they're is not. trying to they, yeah, No one is trying they to They haven't tried anything. since the first one. And even in the first one, they weren't even trying. They were just like, yeah, we're just driving cars. That's it. <laughs> like... Yeah, the, well, I mean, the, the first one was kind of like a, the first one was just like a high budget indie almost. Like, I think like Universal didn't even have faith in it as being a franchise. They were just like, oh, like we got some people at the studio who really like like Vanishing Point and those old like, you know, like Chase movies, Smokey and the Bandit, stuff like that. Let's make a modern day version of that. And, you know, they threw this, this at, at the time, relatively unknown Paul Walker. Like, I think he had just come <laughs> off of like Varsity Blues and like, uh, 
you know, some other, like, some other, like, small stuff. And then, like, Vin Diesel was, wasn't really doing anything at the time. He hadn't done Pitch Black yet. And, uh, like, that, that movie wasn't supposed to be that big. I think it was supposed to be the equivalent to, like, what we would see if you watched, like, a movie with, like, two, no one, like, who are these two actors? Like, yeah. kind of in it. <laughs> like, that's what it was. And they were like, oh, like, this, this, this has sequel potential. And, like, all right, let's do two and then we'll stop. <laughs> well like, here we are all the way up to the ninth film which you know got pushed back but i mean like those movies oh, don't try to that's what i'm saying that's the same thing with like the conjuring universe is like they have an audience we we have yeah. a guaranteed amount of tickets we could sell to these five million people and they will see it regardless of the context of the movie that it's in because they just like the movies and yeah well i guess the same could be said about saw and i love the saw franchise uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, same same deal. The first saw the first saw movie is like the first Fast and Furious film, where it's like no one yeah. you, can't, you can't name a single actor in that first movie. <laughs> you know? But like, but yeah, like, well, well mean, except um, what's his name? Um, damn, Danny exactly. Glover. Danny Glover was in there. <laughs> I was like, you can name Danny Glover. Danny Glover's been around for a minute. But I mean, other than that, like he he wasn't the one that was in the movie that was like selling it though. Like his name's not nah. Mister, you know. But like the Saw movie was the same to where they're just like, oh yeah, like this is like this is unique as a as a as a horror film because like there is no villain, not at least a, a visible one. Well. You know, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen Saw yet. But like, you know, you don't, <laughs> I mean, you don't I don't know see, how they couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you need you need to watch Saw if you if you haven't seen it by now. I mean, why are you listening to this show? But like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, like Saw Saw is the same way. I think I think people looked at it and then they they looked at it as like possibly having some type of like sequel potential and they just explored that and it worked. There's people who are just like diehard fans of the Saw franchise, even though like the quality slides as the movies go on, and then it always oh. ends. All these movies and prequels. I'm not even gonna lie. It does, but I do like the. I think the reason why I still like the Saw movies was because they're kind of like building up on the backstory of like how Jigsaw became Jigsaw, and like how he got in contact with these people. But when you sit there and think back, like, how the hell did this this man with cancer <laughs> manage to know all these damn people, come up with this I, huge elaborate plan? And he's only making fucking puppets. Dude, I thought at one point, I was like, I got, I got to like Saw like four, I think when I, I was watching like Saw four. And I was like, there's, there's just going to be a point in this movie where they just say that he's just the devil. Cause I'm like, there's no way, there's no way that he's managed to trick this many people and to like make these elaborate traps by himself. And they're like, no, he had an apprentice. Like how, like how did he do that like how how do so many people in this city have such weak personalities to where they can just be like like yeah, I'll, I'll be a serial killer i know the value of life i'm just like dude he's he's got to be the devil he's a demon there's no way there's no, there's no way and then it's like you get to the ones where he's just like dead but like his work still continues and i'm like that, yeah, see but see that's the thing <laughs> he knew he was gonna die and yet he still managed to pull all these people into doing his work yeah, I mean, all, all horror movie franchises have that sliding scale, though. I mean, Final Destination did it to where they try to explore oh. the lore of death itself. And, uh, you know, Friday the 13th definitely has that problem. And uh, Oh, my. Okay, so I did, like, a, <laughs> a franchise talk, like, way, way back in my earlier episodes. Yeah. And I kind of gave the whole franchise of Friday the 13th, like, uh, just a negative <laughs> review <laughs> just because of how bad the, the story one. was. 
like the only time it really tried to actually make a legit story was between like about I want to say four. I think four was the one with um, what's that kid that the child star? Uh, Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. Yeah. So between like four to like I want to say six, that's when they legit try to make a story out of it. But before then, it was just like terrible story, <laughs> you know. Like even the first one was really terrible. It was like, it was the mom, but they didn't really establish the mom. She was just random. She was completely random to me, and I was just like, "Yeah, what, well, where did this bitch come from?" <laughs> well, man, I mean, like, ho- hopefully, so like, I mean, we're not gonna, we're not talking about this yet. But I mean, like down the line, I, I really want to want to discuss like films that should be remade and like if we were to like remake them within a certain context because like whenever I whenever I talk whenever I bring up horror films to people that I know like talk about movies in general I'm always like well like Friday the 13th is probably one that deserves a lot more love than it got and that it currently (laughs) has because like it went off the rails like by the second movie like it didn't didn't pull like a Halloween where like the first two make sense or like you know like Alien and Aliens to where like the second one's way better than the first or like it it just like a second movie like jumped the shark bro like (laughs) I mean like even like if you look at like the Psycho franchise those movies are pretty good and um like but they never like portrayed Norman Bates as like anything other than what he was and like that I don't know. I feel like if you were to revisit anything, we remade Halloween three, three, four times now, like with three different directors. And um, Friday the Thirteenth has not gotten that much love. It's gotten remakes, but not any that like deserve to portray Jason Voorhees in like a good way. Yeah, I feel you. So, how about this? Um, we could go and take a break real quick, and mm. we can come back and return to this um, topic. How's that sound? Yeah. Sounds right. good. Sounds good to me, man. I need more water anyway. <laughs> I feel you need to. <laughs> so uh, we'll be right back, you guys. And as you shouldn't say in a scary movie, I'll be right back. All right, welcome back, and we are back here talking with my homie Jeremy and we are now going to talk about black representation in film mm-hmm. so <laughs> I I know you before we came back from the break you said you had a few comments <laughs> <laughs> about about this this subject matter so what are your feelings towards it really like because for me you know a lot of movies that are coming out with like Jordan Peele's Candyman, Antebellum, Spiral, you know, being made by Chris Rock. You know, we're getting a lot of Black representation in more of a hero-type role, more so than, like, the villainous roles these days. So my question to you is, do you think we are becoming, are we going into a space more that's, like, a little bit more commercial that the industry feels comfortable with? Um... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so the yeah, I, I I'm kind of I'm I'm probably not ever gonna be convinced that the studios aren't gonna do what's in the best interest for them. Mm-hmm. Um especially the bigger ones. Like indies indies indie studios kinda don't count because they can pretty much do whatever they want. But like Oh yeah, yeah. If, we're, if we're talking about like the big five, 
Um, mm-hmm. Like they're they're gonna they're gonna ride trends. They're gonna cash in on what's hot because that's where the money is. And like, I don't look at that as like an evil thing. I look at it as that's that's just them being opportunists. If like if the Black Lives the Black Lives Matter movement is strong, like make more black films. I mean, like what you get, I mean, come on, man, what studio wouldn't want a black Panther right now? Like who? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, you, that's like, you're, you got right now. Yeah, you'd be kidding yourselves. And like, there'd probably be a bunch of people out there. who's like, Oh, they only made that. It's like a cash. And like, hell yeah. Like, like, <laughs> black Panther. like you want to, you want the black Panther movie right now. You want to be, you want a Jordan Peele in like under a con under like a three film contract, you know, like that's what you technically want now. <clears throat> there should be more representation because like you're the the films you named are the the ones that are like the highest profile yeah and, yeah and like that's the, the issue is that like you don't really see a lot of indie black cinema anymore mm-hmm. which leads one to believe that like the gatekeepers are the ones who are in control of what black cinema you do see and like get out came out in a vacuum it was the only horror film made by a black director that year he's not the only one jordan Peele's not the only one like (laughs) he's not i mean but i mean like it was the highest profile and had the biggest budget it was a blumhouse movie like that which is still crazy to me that like yeah (laughs) it was was like represented by that company dude that that's that's still wild like when you look at it and just like and then they followed up with like ouija you know like that was like like, you're just like oh my god Uh, you guys will just make anything Oh, dude. I laugh. Don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. <laughs> I laugh. I laugh my way. I laugh my way through that entire movie because I'm just like, man, if 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 um if, my, if the Magic Johnson Theater was still Magic Johnson Theater, like Ma would have had a private screening. Like it would have been on every screen at Magic Johnson, bro. Like that that is that kind of movie. I think like, Get Out would have had it also. Like yeah. it would have been on every fucking screen. Like yeah, it wouldn't be nothing else showing. It'd be like, it would be like, all right, what's playing that magic? Get out. Okay, what else is playing? <laughs> get out. It's <laughs> all so get out, man. It's all get out from nine, from nine o'clock till eleven thirty. <laughs> but what if I want to watch? But what if I want to watch something else? Get out. Nah, get out. That's get it. out. Like, <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, black representation in film. I mean, like, I can't really say it's getting better or or worse. I think that like the profile of it is changing to where it's like there's good quality black cinema being released, but like there's just still not enough of it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does need to get a little bit better. I mean, recently I I watched Tales from the Hood, and I was looking at the rating for it. It had a twenty five percent critic rating on Ryan Tomatoes and <laughs> I'm looking like but this movie is really not that bad it's actually a really decent film you know I mean yeah maybe it has the play on the words of Tales from the Crypt and they call it Tales from the Hood and yeah maybe they're calling it a horror comedy instead of just a horror anthology but it's still a good film like with the stories that's being told in it it's very relative to what's happening to today, you know, between like the police brutality that's in the film, the gang violence that you see in the film that just really hasn't stopped in like all the major cities really, you know, <laughs> or any cities at that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, it's just, it's still relative. Like 
everything about it was like really good. I mean, I wouldn't say like it was the best, but it, the context of the movie was really good. Yeah, it, it deserves it deserves more credit for its <clears throat> for its subject matter because I mean it was released in the nineties when yeah. that stuff was was a lot more precedent because we were coming right off of like Rodney King and um you know there's man that decade was crazy but like, <laughs> like I mean even even like even like today, I mean the tell tells from the hood kind of exists in its own time because like when those movies are made. <clears throat> especially like at the time it was made they're discredited as being black cinema rather than like cinema and um, that's my problem with it like when they classify things as black cinema they don't really give it its fair due yep you know like it's on, it's on a we're on a different shelf and like yeah. it's it's like they, they they group it in there with that like uh you know like bones you know like that's, oh yeah that's yeah like dogma film or something like that or like Candyman three or something or like um that's that's usually the group that it gets lumped into and like they never get taken seriously because they're like oh it had a eighty five thousand dollar budget and like you know no one cares ari aster (laughs) (laughs) bro give him all of the money like like, but i mean like that's that's what i'm saying is like i think i think jordan peele is kind of like the the right kind of guy for this because like he's definitely earned his spot but at the same time, like I know that there are more Jordan Peels out there, and Jordan Peel has a spot because Jordan Peel is liked by the people who gave him that spot. Like, you know, you, you don't work at Comedy Central for a while without shaking the right hands and stuff. And like that's oh yeah, that's that's part of the process. But like, I mean, you know, it's the same with uh, it's the same with uh, you know, if you were talking about like, you know, dude that directed Black Panther, whose name I continuously forget. I'm, I'm I suck. <laughs> I always, I always forget his name. <laughs> I, I always forget his name. Oh my God, this is going to drive me nuts. There we go. I mean, like, if we're talking about, like, Ryan Coogler, who, like, you know, made an indie and, like, did it kind of, like, the normal way, where it's, like, you make an indie film and then, like, it gets noticed and then, like, you get approached by a dude at, at Sundance and he, like, he's like, hi, I'd like to give you $2 million to make a movie I wrote, you know, and... Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's those guys out there that are still there, but, I mean, like, I... If all the attention is directed on directed at Jordan Peele, then like we're gonna start to feel way more rare than we already are. So we're like, if the only yeah, if the only black horror director we have in existence is Jordan Peele and like Ryan Coogler and uh, you know, like it, a it couple kinda, others. It it kind of reminds me of that time when Tyler Perry was the only black director allowed to make movies, and any other black director that came up, they were just silenced or ignored. Yeah. Tyler, Tyler Tyler Perry single-handedly like rebooted BET. Yeah, <laughs> like, he, he basically like alone did like created like sixty percent of their content for the next like ten years forever. Yeah, like he's he's oh my god, like yeah. TV one. So I mean, like you know, a lot of this can probably be blamed on on um on like BET as an outlet because like rather than rather than like BET producing stuff that is supposed to be like good and targeted because you know once again we're talking about like targeted audiences like BET has their target audience they know exactly who watches BET and the people who watch BET probably aren't watching the same stuff that we are and um at least probably not in the same way but like BET probably could have had like like you know PBS has a master has a master showcase like BET could also like showcasing you know black cinema from 
you know, the American South or like from the Chicago mm. film, from the Chicago film school, from UCLA film school or something like that. Like showing like older black cinema from like the early thirties. And um, BET could have, could have done that whether or not people watch it, but instead we get like the Bobby Brown story and yeah, baby, I feel baby, like, baby boy, baby boy. <laughs> I feel really like that has boy. everything to do with culture. Also like the, that like we're being told as black people, what we should be watching instead yes. of, you know, being, you know, having our own mindset of like, this is not what everybody wants to watch. You know, not everybody wants to be Bobby Brown, you know, doing sniffing cocaine and beating up on bitches and everything like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to be in a Tyler Perry, not every black woman wants to be in a Tyler Perry film where she's, you know, getting beaten on by her dark-skinned husband and she ends up finding love with some light-skinned guy who believes in God or something like that. Dark-skinned, bald husband. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You know, the boondocks he, mentioned that. <laughs> he, has to, he has to be bald. Bald means evil. Yeah. He's cheating on you with a five-foot-three blonde woman and he's going to kick you out the house in the little <laughs> way possible. <laughs> Shows up, you just don't live here anymore. I don't love you. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because, like, I remember going to my aunt's house every, like, holiday. Well, not every holiday, but it was mainly, like, the main ones, like, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And almost every year, like, and this was when I was young, too. This is, like, in the years, like, the early 2000s. And, yeah, the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. So we would always go to her house because you know, that was the spot to go for, for the holidays. And every year it would be like some kind of inappropriate video that would be playing. <laughs> you know, it would be like a Tyler Perry film or a Dave Chappelle stand-up comedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so one year, like she had a Tyler Perry film that was playing and I wanted to watch it, but I didn't know much about Tyler Perry and what he does in his films. I just wanted to watch it because I think Janet Jackson was in the movie. So I'm looking at the movie and all I see is Janet Jackson getting her ass kicked. And I'm sitting there like, I do not want to watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I kept thinking. It was like, what is going on? And then after watching it for a while, all I kept seeing was like all these women getting cheated on, beaten on, and just all this unnecessary drama. And I'm just sitting here like, who gets satisfaction watching this shit? <laughs> like, yeah, we, we I mean, I, th I think that like black culture in general has a habit of telling ourselves what we're supposed to like, which a lot of other, especially if you're talking about like artistic cultures don't do, um, at least yeah. not in the way that I've observed it. Like we're the only ones who really tell us like, hey, like you need to, like, you need to watch Boys in the Hood in order to be black. Like, yeah, that's, which is funny because I'm wearing a Boys in the Hood shirt right now. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, like, you, you got, we, we tell ourselves what we're supposed to like, and I think that's what BET cashes in on, is, like, we, we want to be able to celebrate our history, and our history doesn't really include a lot of the artistic merits of, like, other, like, cultures too much. It, yeah. Our, our history of our culture is the, the, five, the five steps, the, the, Billy, the uh, freaking the Bobby Brown story, like, what's love got to do with it? Uh, yeah. Soul food. Uh, the wood. And then like waiting to exhale, just like on repeat. Like that's like that's apparently that's apparently our history. And there's nothing wrong with that. But like it's 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 just like that's what we're told that we have to do. So it's really hard for them to do something to where it's like you could totally have like a like a 
black cinema masterclass where like you just showcase like black films on like Saturday or on like Sunday. We don't have to have like reruns of like the BET awards from 1998. Yeah. Like, like all the time, like yeah. we, don't need, we don't need that. And I mean like TV one was supposed to do that and TV one failed because it's just reruns of the Jeffersons. And then like, um, like you think that like Oprah Winfrey would get in that with like the O network and that's not it <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> But I mean, like, it's, that's, I think that's part of the problem is to where it's like, if we can't agree on like what we're supposed to be kind of aspiring towards and like, all we're going to get is reruns of Baby Boy and like Jordan Peele is going to exist in a vacuum because one, the the future Jordan Peels are down there. Like, I'm never going to break into <laughs> that because they, we've already got a guy. So like, mm-hmm. he, like, he either has to die or retire for me to like, you know, I'm sitting here on like six, seven indie films that like are receiving no budgets and no attention and, you know, and then you pitch it to the studio and they're like, oh, we've already got Jordan Peele. Like, you know, oh, it's, I, I, wrote a, I wrote a horror film. Like, well, we've already got a guy. You know, we've already got that dude. Yeah. You know, we can only have one at a time. We've already got our, our, our Jordan Peele. We've got our Ryan Coogler. We've got our, uh, you know, whoever else out there. And that's, and that's kind of where we get stuck. And um, part of me wants to say that, like, it's by design to an extent. Uh, it, it definitely is by design. Yeah, and, and I mean it's right, years of like oppression, really, and just being told like, "Well, this is what y'all gotta like. This is what y'all are producing." And sometimes it's just like we're reflecting on Im- imagery that we see, and just be like, "Yep, that that's what happens," you know. Well, that's so. I mean, that's why I asked if you had ever watched Axum. Because- yeah, which I never seen. <laughs> I have never seen. I I saw the trailer. By the way, <laughs> I was like, "What in the hell is this shit?" Axum, Axum's part of your history, young man. <laughs> I mean, Axum, Axum is the is literally the first horror movie I ever watched because, like, my god sister showed it to me when I was when she was babysitting me one day, and I was like, I was like really really young, mm-hmm. but like. Uh, that was just like on the TV. It wasn't like on the TV. I think someone had gotten like a tape of it, yeah, and like brought it out here, like and just like put it, <laughs> and just like put it on because I remember it had like scan lines and like it was like like it had weird like like yeah, it had, jumps and stuff. It had the grain like, and all that. Yeah, because it was like like the tape had been passed around. And people were like, oh, you got to watch this. Like, and then yeah, like, yeah. like you you have to watch this. And like, <laughs> but I mean, like if you start off with like a film history that starts with stuff like Axum, which is not a good movie, and it's not even good. It's not good, and it, it's a train wreck from like beginning to end. But like that's the history of African American horror cinema right there is stuff like Axum then it becomes really easy to discredit things like Tales from the Hood because you're just like, because the people from there are watching and they're just like, well, anything coming from the Black Diaspora is going to be like Axum because you guys don't even take horror seriously. You guys don't even take movies seriously. And I feel like that's the problem too. Like, there's too many comedies where like, they push like the horror comedies, like scary movies more than anything else. You know, if it was like a whole Black cast that did like a traditional horror film. Yeah, I mean, Candyman strays away from that a little bit, a lot, actually. Um, the first one, which is a very straight, played straight horror film. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like it never, we never really got anything from that. Cause this is, this is well before the era of like quick cash-ins that mm-hmm. like kind of like, that kind of like took off afterwards. Um, 
which is, I mean, to bring to bring us back to point, I mean, like Jordan Pill picking up Candyman, it's like it's kind of a double-edged sword because like I can see Candyman probably being of like a super high quality, but then it's like that's it. Like yeah. <laughs> you get you get one high quality film. Yeah. And that's where it stops because Jordan Peele's the only one doing that right now. And if you're a fan of horror films, great. But if you're a fan specifically of like black horror films, well, like here's number twelve <laughs> of, of the entire list of like of like African American cinema of the horror genre that you're gonna get. You know, we'll see you in two years when you get another one that is probably not as good. Because um, I'm like, dude, like he's he's got the weight of his he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders right now. I mean, like Get Out was a landmark. And then, like, us, not so much, but, like, still great on its own. Yeah. Um, like, you knew what he was, I knew what he was trying to do, but, like, it was like, all right. This is- yeah, I, I knew what he was trying to do also. I mean, I like the movie. It's, it's pretty much hit or miss with a lot of people. It's like, it's either you like it or you hate it. It's, it's yeah. no middle ground of it. It feels, if, like, us felt to me like a script that was written before Get Out. Like, it's an idea that, like, oh, didn't, it, it didn't was. all the way come together all the way, and then, like, Get Out made a lot more sense, and like you could just probably see why like Jason Blum probably like was like yeah Get Out's the one. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, like Us has a lot more like thematic material. It's a lot weirder. Like you know you can do a lot more creatively. Like no, that's not what we're doing right now. Like yeah, <laughs> give us give us Get Out, sell some tickets, and then we can talk about Us. You know, like we can talk about making that in the future. And then you know it worked out because Get Out like. But it did it did play a lot on like what we're talking about right now as far as like you know who is allowed to do what and you know who is not allowed to do what you know like where you see like the one black family who is rich but they're not really like being accepted by their predominantly white counterparts you know And then you got the underground sewage people, you know, they're all, you know, poor, you know, disenfranchised, but they all come together and they, they're just like trying to make the best of what they have. Yeah. Or like the, the upper class rich, you know, above the sewer people, they don't have to really like try that hard. You know, they could be mediocre at what they do but they'll still get all the opportunities in the world. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's a couple of movies like that. Cause I mean, like we were talking earlier about like, I, I kind of talked about like, you know, what, what are horror movies supposed to do, you know? And, yeah. um, in, in my opinion, horror, horror films are always supposed to kind of like hold a mirror up to you. And yeah. like, these are the things that we're afraid of. And uh, this is why you're supposed to be afraid of them. And those things are like very like internal and like very primal. Like we, you can be afraid of things like guns and ghosts and stuff like that. But like you're more afraid of things like racism and like the threat of like having your family taken away and like isolation and like living in a very rough neighborhood. Which is why I say like in a lot of con- and like in different ways, there's a lot of movies that are made by by African Americans that are horror films but are written, <laughs> written, directed, and marketed in such a way as they are not. Because, like, I, like, even if you watch something, like, that's relatively innocuous, like, Dear White People, yeah, like, like, Dear White People is basically, like, a hardcore take on, like, a different world. Do you remember that show? The Cosby yeah. Show spinoff where, like, they go off to college. Like, it's basically just a hardcore version of that. But, like, if you watch it in a different way to where it's, like, 
if the protagonist is a, is a gay black kid at an all-white school in the mm-hmm. South, like, it becomes a different movie. And, like, with a couple tweaks to the script, you could make that, like, terrifying, you know? Like, yeah. it, becomes like it, be- it becomes like higher learning really quick. <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever saw that, like, it becomes a very, very different movie to where it's just like, hey, like, the clans on campus, and they're terrifying to me, like, by virtue of this. And, like, we don't really make movies like that because you know, that's legitimate horror. But like, I think that's, that's why stuff like Get Out is important is because like the scary shit's not a dude with an ax in the woods. It's the fact that like the dude over there is trying to become me. <laughs> like, that's, the, <laughs> that's the scary part. And then, you know, the, the fiction added to make that happen of, you know, taking brains out of bodies and stuff. Um, mm. but, like that, that's incidental, but it's like, that's the stuff you're supposed to be thinking about when you leave the theater is like, hey, like we had this entire discussion in 2017 2018 about like cultural appropriation and like you know the movie good hair came out and like stuff like that and like people were like oh that's that's not a real thing and then like you watch then they watch get out and like you have all your friends in the theater like turn to you like is that how you feel like, <laughs> just, like i'm just like you know what i'm like i probably don't feel that way but i bet that like in a lot of ways someone like lebron james does where it's oh, like yeah, there's, there's yeah. probably there's probably quite a few people who are jealous of your talents and the things that you have which is a culture you have a thing that the rest of America does not. And the reason you have it is because you were just born into it. You have stuff like soul food and you have stuff like your own TV channel, which like, which has its flaws, but like it is a marker of your culture. You have South Central and East Side Chicago and like all these, you know, or South Side Chicago and you've got, you know, hyphy, crunk, you've got these things that we just don't have and we kind of want that. <laughs> yeah. Know? And I'm not even talking about like white folks. I'm talking about anybody, because like you know, it doesn't have to specifically be about white black. It can be about anything, really. Mm-hmm. And like that's what horror is supposed to do. Is like you're supposed to leave the theater like talking to your friends about these things, to where you're just like, oh, like, yeah, man, I guess I just won't say the n word anymore. Like, I didn't realize it was. I didn't realize it was that deep. Like, you know. And then I, that's what I'm saying. Like, us was was a miss with me because like it didn't do that for me. It was a good movie on its own, but it didn't have that same social impact that like get out would have had or yeah know, like did have so like you know i don't know what the hell Candyman's gonna be about but like <laughs> but, like that's that's what it's supposed to do i mean like when we talk about like modern horror like hereditary and stuff like hereditary shows you like a modern family that's just falling apart and that's something that like everybody can kind of if you if you don't if you didn't grow up in that it doesn't hit as hard but like if you did you understand it yeah. and you're just like dude like there's nothing wrong with this family other than the fact that they just don't communicate and like that is a scary thing and like mm-hmm. also there's a demon we gotta throw that out there sorry there's also a demon but then it's like the horror the real horror is like well what if there wasn't like what if they're just like just falling apart just cut it's like isn't that scarier isn't the shining a lot scarier when you take the ghosts out of the hotel like <laughs> And you're like, just stuck <laughs> in that whole building yeah. by yourself for the next, well, Until, next season. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck. You're stuck there with just like your son and your husband, and he's going crazy, day by day. <laughs> and you can't, and you can't leave. I'm like that. I'm like those are. That's what those movies are supposed to be doing, you know. And um, I'm like maybe it's just not not in us as of right now to start making those films from from like black culture that are like you know the next get outs i guess if we're gonna have that you know that talk about whether or not it, it, it holds up as like the the current cup that we drink from for like horror films but like i think that that should be the goal 
yeah remembering what the genre means and then like going at it but i think also like as far as us being black you know and being part of the black culture we need to also you know kind of like promote what we come what we create you know we need to support our own culture and what we do and it kind of reminds me like how since you brought up bt um it kind of reminds me about how like every year you get all these rappers singers always talking about how the grammys is always discrediting them in their albums and what have you but it's like we don't need the grammys because the grammys will not ever really fully appreciate our music you know we and i mean i'm i'm guilty of this because Maybe because of like the atmosphere of the BET Awards, but they need to clean up the BET Awards, in my opinion, <laughs> in a way, you know, <laughs> to where like maybe the BET Awards should be the next Grammys, you know? Let's let's take the ratchet, let's stop trying to be the most ratchet person at the Grammy Awards. I'm not the Grammy Awards, but at the BET Awards. BET Awards, yeah. You know, like, the, Gra- the Grammys are getting kind of ratchet too. <laughs> like, yeah, the Grammys are getting kind of ratchet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Part of that is that like that reverse uh, that reverse ceiling effect, to where it's like you you think that what it means to have made it is to be on equal plane with like who started. So like the Grammys are older than the BET Awards, so like we can only hold ourselves in the same esteem as like whoever gets a Grammy, because like the Grammys for the better part of the century have been the the best music we produced this year. And, you know, naturally we're going to want a piece of that, but like if they don't let you in for years and years and years and the closest thing you get is like the NAACP image awards. Yeah. And like, and that's fine. That's recognition because I mean, there's country music awards because they understand that too, to where it's like, well, country music isn't widely accepted in the United States in the same way that like pop is. So like, it's going to be really hard for Taylor Swift to win best country album in that category, (laughs) unless she goes (laughs) to the CMTs um, or the CMAs. And I mean, like everyone has awards. These everyone has awards. MTV has awards. You know, yeah. Random newspapers have awards. And, and I mean, that's just us trying to be accepted. You know, and like it is important for us to support ourselves. But I also want to have the caveat that it has to be good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Nah, I definitely, I definitely, really yeah. do believe it should be good. Also, cannot, I'm not saying support any crap. <laughs> we cannot. We can't support. Our, we can't support ourselves just because. We got to stop this whole, like, we're not, nah, you're not allowed to fail. I'll support whatever you do. Like, nah, bro, your movie was bad. <laughs> like, this was bad. This was a terrible film and it needs to go away. And you're like, nah, he's black. You got to support it. No, I don't. <laughs> like, I, am not, I am not spending my money on this. This is horrible. Like, what is this? <laughs> no, I mean, no. like, and that's, that's where stuff like Axum, where people are like, well, this is part of the history of cinema. I'm like, dude, this movie's bad. Like, this is not, this is not part of the I was just about to say that too. And drawing back to like paying for movies. I feel like when we was talking about Axum, um, The Curse of La Llorona, there should be a, a fixed price to see those movies. <laughs> like, like, there should be a fixed price. <laughs> All bullshit aside, there should be a fixed price. Like, if if this movie is getting, like, a two-star review, 28% on Rotten Tomatoes, we shouldn't pay... 18 fucking dollars to see this movie. You pay market price. <laughs> you, pay, you pay whatever whatever demand is currently set at is what, you, is what you pay. Or like maybe they can do like a season pass type thing where like you just buy like a Blumhouse season pass. <laughs> you can go see whichever one they like release throughout the year. Like, 
No, Blumhouse hit me up. I'll organize it. We can set that up. Can that. <laughs> yeah. I'll take, I'll take 15%, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hire me. <laughs> no, I mean, like, that. that that's a funny idea, but... Um, I mean, I guess that just goes into like just the economy of film in general. It's like, what what do we think that they're worth? You know? Yeah, and I, I think that's I think that's one of the biggest arguments into like why why theaters can't die. Um, is for all the people who like who are talking about like, oh, movie theaters need to die, and it's like, well, the only people who are praying for that are Netflix. I'm like, let's be let's be real here. <laughs> like, like there like there there's no other way until you've invented another way to have a scalable model to where you can get your money back for a multi-million dollar film, like you're going to need theaters. And yeah. especially if you're like an indie producer right now and you're, you're working on your first big feature and you just like borrowed from three different banks, your family and your friends. And like you're, you know, you went to your, your old college and got a grant to make this movie and you've spent well over a million dollars to make this thing. And then Netflix only wants to throw a hundred thousand dollars at you to get the rights, you know, to, to yeah. air it for two months. You're going to really hope that theaters are open. because <laughs> like, you're going to need to sell some tickets. And, and I mean, like that, that's, that's, that's just the reality of it, man. It's like, you're going to need them for at least a little bit longer until we come up with something better. But like, um, you gotta be making quality stuff. And if, if you're if you're going to be talking about like the market to where it's like the good stuff goes out and the the bad stuff goes straight to Netflix, then like that's I think that's probably I'd rather pay eight dollars a month to see just like pure just, shit. Just, just yeah, <laughs> just to see like just like the like the curse of La Llorona, like whatever you know. I, <laughs> I I already have a Hulu subscription and HBO and stuff. Like just throw it on there. I'll watch it. I'll get around to it. But I don't want to pay thirteen fifty plus you know nine dollars for popcorn and a drink and you know, and then like sit next to people and, and stuff like that. And, like that, that's, you know, all that, all that's there. And I think that's, that's more of what, what they probably be going towards. But like, at the same time, it's like these movies cost millions and millions of dollars to make. Like you're, you're $8 a month. It's not supporting that to get that back. Like we're not making this shit for love. Like are you out of your, you out of your mind? Like we're trying to make money off of this. Like, we didn't make the curse a lot of your own just because we had a really good story to tell. We made it because we wanted to get like $300 million back. <laughs> or like 115 or however much that was made it made, it made a little bit i mean it, it didn't make that much well it didn't make no 300 <laughs> no 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 it wasn't it wasn't the conjuring or, or something like that but um i mean like that's 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 i think that's kind of like where we're at and i don't want that to happen with like black films specifically like we might have to in the future it'll take somebody a lot smarter than me with a lot more cash to make like a like a, if you had like the criterion channel just mm -hmm. only for black cinema but like only like the good stuff and like only things that we can celebrate and like hold up and be like these are the these are the best of what we can produce in the culture um you can do that and i mean like we have small shit pan-african film festival you know yeah tries tries to do that but um they don't they just don't get the support that is necessary from you know us really like yeah <laughs> i mean it, honest, it, re yeah. it really that's who it starts with it starts with us yeah, and you know, I know I'm guilty. I haven't really supported the Pan African Film Festival. I mean, mainly because I don't know where to find where they at. You know, there you go. That's that's me. It's you. It used. It's usually it's held in L.A., but um, it's uh, it's it's hit or miss. I mean, like some years are are really good. There's good quality coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like other years, it's just like stuff you see on YouTube on like people's reels and like that because that's what they get that's what we give them 
(laughs) and that's what they put up and i mean like they'll they'll put up like movies from like west africa and stuff like that like emerging directors but then like i see more stuff coming out of uh coming from us on like the criterion channel and um even like Amazon Prime sometimes will have stuff that's just like yeah. really, Amazon really good. Prime is yeah. really like supporting black culture right now in black yeah. film. Yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, they didn't stop. They didn't stop like everyone else after the whole Black Lives Matter. Hmm, you know, they, kept, they kept going. Yeah, and I was I was in the I was on Criterion earlier today, and they still have a like history of African American film section up. I think it looks permanent. Like honestly, like if, if you go to the, the search tab, but like we're not doing that. Yeah. So just like I had mentioned earlier to where it's like, well, PBS has like masterclass theater to where they show like old plays and, you know, war and peace and, you know, and stuff like that. There's no reason that we can't, you know, there's absolutely, there's no reason we don't have that yet. Yeah. It's the, it's just us limiting ourselves and being, and telling ourselves like, well, we can't do it just because, you know, we're not being let in to do it, but it's like, we need to come together and kind of find a way to make it happen for us because no one else is going to make it happen for us, <laughs> you know? No, not, no, yeah, not at all. And the people who can, there just aren't enough of them. We don't have enough Chris Rocks. No, we uh, don't. Just, there just aren't, <laughs> like, he can only do, he can only do so much. I mean, like, he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's one of the most important people we have, at least in, in entertainment right now. Like, a contra, a, a comedian, actor, producer without controversy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, in black culture is like, he's a unicorn. Like he, he, I don't I mean, know if, he's, if he was ever without controversy because I remember there was a couple of things, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like not in the way that like like Kevin Hart or Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby. We didn't, we didn't lose. We didn't lose. We haven't lost him, you know. Like, he's, <laughs> he's been doing this thing pretty steady for forever, and like, I mean, like even we've had like we get gems sometimes. I mean, Eddie Murphy made the made a you know the Dolomite movie years back and like that's that's important to me because i grew up watching those movies i grew up watching you know uh badass and uh i mean those are the sweet 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 backs sweet sweet back, super <laughs> sweet song yeah like like you know i, well, I grew up watching dolomite girls as child yeah. Campino would say you know black men wearing like a a fedora with a suit slapping yeah. slapping women on the streets yeah no that's exactly i mean that's 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 what we that's what we grew up on is watching stuff like dolomite because that's what was on those are the tapes we owned so like you know when i saw like dolomite is my name i was like dude i was like this isn't like nostalgic but like this is important and this should be held up as a i mean got nominated for an academy award off of it you know what i mean like that's yeah that's, yeah that's, no that's that is big, very important important that's a big deal, and I and I I feel like a movie like that would be passed up by the Pan African Film Festival is what I is like, I guess like ultimately what I'm trying to get at. It's like we do get these gems that come out, but we pass them up. <laughs> you know, like we look we look at them and they're like, oh, it's on Netflix, so let's discredit it. Or like you know, it's Eddie Murphy. How good of a movie could Eddie Murphy make? I'm like, oh, pretty freaking good. Like, like I don't I don't know if you, I don't know if you've met the man. Like he's he's pretty good at this whole movie thing when he wants to be. You know, I mean, like, you know, Chris Rock's the same way. They're like, oh, Chris Rock's doing Saw. Like, yeah, that's probably going to be pretty dope if it ever comes out, you know. (laughs) They're trying to make it come out. But see, that's what I like right now. I do like the fact that there's more Black faces coming into horror and they're kind of getting more, well, they're becoming a little more mainstream. Now, are we there yet? We're not quite there yet, you know. I mean, I had this um, 
this other episode with my other collaborator, Dimey Horror, and we were talking about Scream Queens, and we were talking about possible Black female-led Scream Queens that needs to happen. And one one of the actresses we agreed on was Lupita Nyong'o. Like, she could definitely be, she should definitely be pushed in that Jamie Lee Curtis area, you know, after her performance in Get Out, not Get Out, but um, Us. Yeah, and in the other movie, um, oh my God, Little Monsters, she was pretty good in that movie too. So I feel like she should definitely be pushed more into like that Jamie Lee Curtis realm, like, you know, where they cast her in a really good horror film. Little Monsters on Hulu, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really entertaining. You should watch it. It, it definitely is entertaining. <laughs> I do like the fact when she starts singing that Elmo song, I was sitting there like, damn, what song is this? And then I found out it was an Elmo song. <laughs> um, I What about, uh, do you remember, uh, what's that girl's name? The one in... Uh, You're not talking about the girl in Joker. No, 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 no not, not her. Did you ever watch Dope? Dope? No, I haven't seen Dope before. Oh man, is it a? I think it's I think it's Kiersey Clemens. Okay, she, she she's been doing. Um, I mean, like she's she's been in a lot of stuff. But if you ever watch if you ever watch that movie, I mean, she's she's right around that good age for like doing stuff like that. I know that she was in like the the Scooby Doo animated remake Scoop, the one that just came out. Oh she's yeah, mad, yeah, but yeah. she was, but she was, I first saw her in, in Dope. Um, which came out and that was a movie with ASAP Rocky and uh yeah 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 the, yeah one of my favorite movies of that year and um yeah awesome I mean I mean great great actress I mean like you could even throw somebody like why hasn't Zoe Kravitz done a horror film yet you know mm. <laughs> like, I mean that those are those are those are the ones that I would like hold up as kind of like the future of the talent you know like Zoe Zoe Kravitz or Zoe Saldana <laughs> you know yeah she's probably a little older yeah, she's a, she's over she's over that age probably. I mean, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is old and she's still doing horror movies. You know, is that D Wall- Dee Wallace is old too, and she's legendary. She's I mean, still doing movies. Jamie Lee Curtis is eating that yogurt though. That <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what keeps you. That's what keeps you young and spry. You know? <laughs> that's where that's where that's at. But I mean, like you're you're right. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that she. I don't really know. I don't really know what she wants to do. Like, I don't know what her agent is throwing at her. Like, does she want to be doing like dramas or like? Yeah, because she's kind of all over the place. Yeah, she's done quite. She's quite done quite a few things, like recently. Yeah, I mean, it shows that she's a very flexible actress. You know, with her range and what she could do in movies. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's rare too. It is. It definitely is. Um, do you have any closing moments and we could go ahead and have another break real quick? Nah. <laughs> nah. Like close, closing moments, like any, anything else to add? <laughs> yeah, anything you want to add to the conversation? Any closing thoughts? Um, I mean, probably just to reiterate, like we, the, the, way to, the way to get to what, I guess like what you're kind of envisioning is to create those avenues. And I mean, we've been trying to do that for ever. Yeah. Really. And I mean, like, yeah. it, I think like one thing that we, that we got, we got to understand is that we can't really do it ourselves. Cause like the, 
the methods of which we control those things are not owned by us. Mm-hmm. And um, if we're not going to be able to like start our own film festivals and like start a channel that like celebrates black cinema and like only black cinema, um, then like probably not going to get there. You know, like we got to be able to have like an avenue to like where that thing is, you know, there, there's no reason a black Netflix doesn't exist. And like, that's honestly what we need. That's probably like the biggest step forward is like, get some money, <laughs> like, get some money and start and start and start competing, but only like competing for quality rather than competing for quantity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It really does start with quality. We, and it also starts with quality actors and actresses. I don't yeah. want to see fucking Marcus Houston in a fucking drama or anything like that. <laughs> I don't want to see Chris Brown just, you know, playing a role to where he just gets shot in the first five minutes of the fucking film. Like, <laughs> because he sells tickets, man. We need his name on, we need his name on the poster. We need his name on the poster, man. It's all, all that matters. Oh, man. I, I really thought that was the worst movie. I can't remember the name of that movie that Chris Brown was in. You know what movie I'm talking about? Where Which he, got, where he uh, got killed in the first five minutes of the movie, and they were doing the crump dancing. Stomp, that, was, uh, wasn't that, that was Stomp, yeah, because he got killed stomp. on the train tracks or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got killed. No, he didn't get killed by the... Well, he got shot by somebody by the yeah, train tracks. He got shot on the tracks, and then they go to morehouse <laughs> something you're like yeah yeah. Yeah. Remember, man. yeah yeah we had we had those movies for a while that's a wild tangent but we did have drumline and stomp was like that was it for a while we had baby boy stomp bring it on and, and they're all had, starring like musicians yeah <laughs> and we had uh we had uh what was what was the one with the dance and the the uh you got served oh yeah <laughs> like, we had that but again I mean, marcus houston bro but also marcus i mean this is this is this is important the one that i think turned that around for a while and started to take uh at least a small amount of like black movies seriously was atl because that yeah. was that came at the tail end of all that and yeah. we, didn't get, we didn't get another one of those for a while but like ti <laughs> ti was acting i mean that movie was good we had lauren london yeah so, I mean, yeah lauren london looked good in that movie I can't lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I watch, I watch ATL from time to time and it's, it still holds up. I mean, it's still a very good, like coming of age, you know, like simple. It's, it's nice. It's nice to watch a movie like that every now and again, especially after you've been, you've grown up on stomp and <laughs> drum, <laughs> drum line and, like, and biker boys and like, <laughs> stuff like and then like every Sunday, your mom's trying to get you to watch waiting to exhale. And oh, like, God. oh my God. <laughs> Can I please just have a movie that's not about sad black women? <laughs> just, just one. Just, one. Just, just, just give me just one. I just one want happy, I just want one, one movie. One. I just want to watch Soul Food. I mean, I just want to watch one movie that's not Soul Food. Just, just once, please. please. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for coming on the show. If you guys want to follow him, it is Northern Tier Actual on Instagram. So we are going to take another break, you guys, and we are going to do the outro. All right, welcome back, you guys, and we are in the outro right now.
So as you guys know, I usually give a must-watch Tubi movie of the week. That's such a tongue-tie every single time. <laughs> must-see must Tubi movie of the week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, right, but as you guys know, usually when I have my guests on the show, I have them give out a, a suggestion for you guys. So, Jeremy, can you suggest a few movies for my audience, please? Oh, man, I can give you three. Okay. I'm going to give you guys three. And that's because these movies are, like, foundational for me. Um, okay. So it's it's probably, like, really well-known now. And it's, uh, like, it's gotten a little bit more attention, especially, like, a couple years ago people were talking about it more. But um, House, the Japanese one. Okay. Um, so, like, pronounced Hausu is, like, if you're if you're like not really into like horror films, that makes sense. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything, but it's if you just if you get like a sample trial of the Criterion Channel, I'm pretty sure it might also be on uh, like Crunchyroll. I think I think okay, but don't quote me on that. But if you get a chance to watch House, um, please do because it is probably why my my movie taste is so weird <laughs> um but man i i just i love that movie just to like watch and just like laugh with it and like um you know man it, it's so good uh sec second one though is also another asian film i think that train to busan is one of the best zombie movies that have come out in, oh in train to busan is definitely yeah. one of the best in, in the best in the last couple of years because like they the amount of work that went into that movie and like uh like the thematics, the like the themes that it deals with and stuff like that are just like so good. It does, it kind of does the best of the best of both worlds with like what horror movies typically don't do, which is like good characterization mixed with like legitimately scary elements. Yes. And, um, yes. Yeah, and I think that that's that's like that's that's just like super rare. Third is the Lighthouse, man. I mean, not technically a hardline horror film, but I mean, psychologically, if you're if you like stuff like The Thing and um, you know, it comes at night and like some movies were like, you don't really have a, like a scary dude to follow. I mean, like you can probably make some comparisons with The Shining also, seeing as how it is about people in isolation. But I mean, like The Lighthouse is one of the best movies to come out in the past couple of years. So that's that's my Halloween list this year. That's what I'll be watching. <laughs> House, we'll watch Train to Busan. We'll probably watch The New Color Out of Space again, the Nick Cage. Uh, yeah, I I need to watch that film. <laughs> you, should, you should you should watch it, dude. <laughs> I actually, I actually want to know. I actually want to know what you what you would think. Um, oh, also, uh, there's this there's this Australian horror movie that came out uh, called Relic, which was really really good. I was actually quite. Surprised. Oh, is this the movie where like the mom has like dementia or she's losing yeah, her the, movie? The grand the grandma. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 See, I her. was thinking of that movie literally earlier this week and i could not think of the name of it i was like what the fuck was yeah the no i mean i mean support the genre man give that one some love because it's it's like i mean kind of if you remember like when the babadook came out like that one kind of flew into the radar for a while and then like a year later people were like yo this is like the best horror movie of the year like straight up. <laughs> and, would and you like, believe i did not like the babadook at first until like i dug deep into like what the meaning of that movie was it takes it takes a lot especially if you're not like a parent or something like you can't really i'm not either but like i people the people who i met who really really liked it were like moms uh. we're, like, <laughs> we're like yeah like this movie makes so much sense which is the same thing with like hereditary like i didn't grow up in like a broken family but i grew up in one that's like very similar to that one and like 
that movie is scary for me specifically because like I've been through that. Like I've been through like yeah. it's like where your mom just has like a breakdown or like your grandmother was like super mean to you about something and like you just never <laughs> you just never talked about it. I'm just like, man, wow, this movie's great. No, but um no I, I would I would check out Relic. I mean it flew under the radar for too long, you know, and yeah. You gotta you gotta support the genre so that people can keep making stuff like that. That's of quality. You know. Um, just a lesson that your your scary movie doesn't have to have a big scary dude with a chainsaw in it to, uh, <laughs> to, be, to be a scary yeah. thing you know for real nobody popping out on you and trying to scare you and shit <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no jump scares at all um yeah. but yeah no i watched it and then i watched like the lodge i watched relic and like the lodge at the same like pretty much at the same time and i, I liked relic a lot more oh, okay and, yeah so oh. Well, thanks again, Jeremy, for coming on to the show, man. Yeah, man, um, anytime. Yep. Once again, before we start heading out, can you plug in your social media for us? Hey, you follow me at uh, Northern Tier Actual on Instagram. Yep. Pretty much all handles. I don't really use Twitter all that much, but Instagram's probably the best. Yeah. See some of my photos and you know, some of the stuff I'm working on. So. Yeah. And as you guys know, you know, follow your boy on Instagram, which is at Walter Doom. Um, Twitter is at Walter Doom One because some asshole took Walter Doom. And you guys know that it's never going to stop being a story. <laughs> Whoever <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to keep saying this until I find who this motherfucker is. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to email him, man. Just got to reach out to him one day. <laughs> Probably, oh, doesn't, nah, even, probably doesn't even use it. He's probably tweeted <laughs> twice. <laughs> I'm trying to be like, um, what's his name from Take It? Liam Neeson. Uh, Liam Neeson, yeah. <laughs> I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> when, when Twitter, when Twitter handles, what is that? The old culture, keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> when Twitter handles go wrong. <laughs> you ever kill somebody because they took your handle? <laughs> Hunt that man down. <laughs> oh, man. Man, it's been good laughing with you, man. It's been good have, having a conversation about our interesting topics. Yeah. That was a good, it was a good list, man. Like, no franchises, though, because we just don't be here. <laughs> oh, man. This would be like a four hour conversation. Longer than that, man. I'll call all day, dude. Film by film. <laughs> yeah, no, good stuff, man. Please keep the show yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you guys, I am going to head out right now. This has been another episode of Let's Talk About Horror. This is America. Don't let them catch you slipping now. Peace.